0: The corporate level, you have to believe. I mean, it's it's weird to see it, and, and people talk about this, and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, that manifesting crap. Like, and I was one of those people. Yeah, yeah, whatever, that 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 manifesting crap. It's just crap. Number one, read your read your holy books. Manifesting is in every one of them every single one of them. It's referred to in different ways. But when you pray to God and your prayers are clear and in alignment with your beliefs, you can manifest. So even at the corporate level, this is true. They have to believe in their capacity as a company to be able to grow and achieve greatness. And they have to believe in that more than they believe in the product itself.
1: The first and best victory is to conquer self. welcome to the conqueror approach a journey of self-mastery to cultivate our mind body spirit financial literacy and allow our light to shine upon the world brought to you by me your host u.s navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur musa mikhail let's conquer Welcome back to the Conqueror approach. Thank you for tuning in and I appreciate your support. Continue to subscribe and share we've reached 32 countries now because of your support so I wanted to thank you uh, today I have my friend Lucas root. He's a fortune 500 consultant and coach. Uh, And he shifted from his lucrative career on Wall Street to chase his passions and leading other companies and individuals, develop a strong brand and helping entrepreneurs make their way in business. He has worked with organizations such as Pokemon, Wells Fargo, Bird, AIG. He's the author of the Strategy Guide to Thrive in Business, Failing Forward to Success. Thank you, Lucas, for joining me today. I'm so excited to
0: be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. And I appreciate your time. Uh, and when I saw your, your story a little bit and, and talking to you before, it was just very interesting and it, and it reminded myself, uh, it reminded me of myself in, in the entrepreneurship journey when we talked about you having a very successful job on Wall Street, making a lot of money. And most people probably thought you were crazy uh, or didn't understand why you wanted to leave that. Uh, and you knew, though, you knew deep inside, uh, what you, your potential was, uh, at least chasing that and, and, and moving into that field in that direction. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that, man. I want to talk about uh, a little bit about your journey, how it was like being on Wall Street and shifting into what you do now.
0: Yeah. And you're 100% right. Hit that nail right on the head. People thought I was crazy. Um, it, it's you know It's not uncommon on Wall Street to shift into consulting But when people do it, typically what they do is they move from a full-time position at one bank into a consulting position, doing the same thing as their full-time position for the same bank as their quote-unquote client. And then they start calling themselves consultants and they get paid 1099 instead of W-2, which is great if you know what to do with the 1099 income. That can result in you keeping more of the money that you're getting paid. And so it's sort of a win-win scenario but um, it's very uncommon in the industry for people to be like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm done. I'm moving on. Like I- I've, I've accomplished my goals and I'm done with this. Um, so that's incredibly uncommon. And people absolutely thought I was crazy. I, I, uh, if, if sharing numbers is okay, I don't mind sharing with your readers yeah. exactly what that journey looked like from a numbers perspective.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: <laughs> so um, you really have to earn your place in wall street. I mean, really, so my, my very first year on Wall Street, my expenses for the year was $29,000, my very first year. This is a long time ago, two decades. Um, I earned $21,000. So I actually earned $8,000 less than what I paid to stay in you know New York City and to, to pursue that career. Um, and... And that's not uncommon, because a lot of the time, the work that you do there is minimum wage plus commission. And you can't make commission as a, you know, as a wet behind the ears, straight out of college, doesn't know anything, doesn't have any contacts, kid. Um, and so it's, it's actually quite common for people to spend their first year really toiling. So when I left after 17 years of being there, I'd earned my way up to a, a pretty pretty significant position. I was well sought after. People appreciated and respected me. The year that I left, I made $280,000. So I went from $21,000 to $280,000. That's a pretty exciting hike. Now walking away from 280 grand, that's a hard nut to swallow. But you're like, you know what? You're walking away to a business that you 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 know what you're doing theoretically, like everybody else who walks away into their consulting position, like they make good money, like this should be easy. My first year as a consultant, I made eight grand. Not 18, not 80, not 800. I made eight grand. Less by a third, less than my first year on Wall Street. Holy crap, was that a kick to the teeth. <laughs> but you're 100% right that I was leaving something that I had achieved more or less the goals that I set out to achieve. Um, And I was walking into something that was a much better expression of my fullest potential. And so even though I only made eight grand, really, when I look at that, instead of saying I only made eight grand, what I really say is, oh my God, like, I moved into being my best self in in the truest sense of the phrase, and I made money. I made money. Like I didn't just sit there scratching my teeth, wondering if this is going to happen. Like I made some money. It was less than it cost for me to live. Um, It was less than it cost for me to live for two months. (laughs) That was holy.
1: (laughs) Money. That's huge, man. Because like that, that's a big number for most people. You know, to to conceptualize you're one of the highest income earners you know arguably in the country working on wall street successfully and leaving that like there's a lot of fear uncertainty involved with that and i've seen it with myself leaving the military and i've seen a lot of people who stay in uh any job military or not and and just any career field for the sense of security until something crazy happens like a pandemic i don't know and, you know, they, they lose their job or whatever the case is. However, you, you willingly did it knowing the uncertainty, yeah. but I want to point out that you had something great and that was the faith you had in yourself in succeeding there. Yeah. Because I think most people won't make the shift to their calling or what they really want to do because deep down, they don't believe in themselves that they're going to succeed or make it. Could you tell us a little bit about what, what was that like for you when you, you had to really make the decision and you left and now you're doing the consulting, uh, obviously your first year wasn't the most successful, however you started. So that was a great accomplishment, but tell us a little bit more about overcoming that uncertainty.
0: Yeah. Um, that's, that's fun. No, uh, I would say that my first year was a hundred percent successful and, You know, it's hard to hear that when people are like, you can't pay your bills with eight grand. And it's true. I can't Um, 80 grand would have been nicer, 800 grand would have been nicer too, but non-zero was all I needed. You know, I, I planned for this. I made decent money on wall street. I knew what I was stepping into and non-zero meant that I was on a path that had the potential that I thought it had. And you don't know, you don't know until you try it. It's kind of like changing jobs. Even if you're in the same industry, even if you're using the same skills that you showed up with yesterday, when you change jobs, you don't know that your position in this new company with this new boss and this new team is gonna work out, you're taking a risk. And in some ways it's a significant risk, in some ways. Some of the risks, some of the, the challenge that people have is less pronounced when they switch jobs because they think that they're showing up with the same things that made them successful before. And that's cool. If that's true, more power to you. But you don't know. You just don't know. Here's something that I learned while being a boss, while being a manager, while being a leader. Um, And this is a hard truth when you're in corporate America. And when I say hard truth, it's hard for us as managers, as leaders. It's hard for you as the people that this is being Um, pushed onto. One of your primary jobs as a boss, as a middle manager in corporate America is to make sure that number one, the people that you employ get their work done. And number two, you pay them as little as possible. You pay them as little as possible because you need to make sure that your business makes money. Now that's not bad, When you hear that, you're like, what, what the, what the, who's doing that? Like, why are you paying me as little as possible? How dare you? Like everybody needs to be profitable. The business needs to be profitable. Otherwise it dies. Keep that in mind. Right. So paying your employees as little as possible, it can seem malicious and the bigger the company is and the more effective they are at doing that, it starts to become malicious. And maybe we need to make corporate, you know, culture changes around that idea, but it comes from a place of goodness. The business needs to be successful in order for you to continue working there and getting your paycheck. But the other side of that is, you as a worker, you're getting paid as little as possible. And so what that means is that you know you're worth every freaking penny that you're getting, every single one and more, because your boss's job is to pay you as little as possible. Yeah, so gotten to. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, man, I didn't mean to cut you off. But that that's true, and and I I heard the expression from uh, I think it was Les Brown or Jim Rohn, one of those guys who they they said that they pretty much pay you to forget your dreams,
0: just enough to not make you quit. <laughs> true. It's true and it's not it's not coming from a place of maliciousness it's not coming from evil the business needs to be profitable to continue to be able to provide the services to customers that they want and to be able to provide the job to you that you want right that's just the way this has to work in order for it to work out they can't be giving away every friggin' penny that they make from the customer Otherwise, you might not have a job tomorrow. And that's part of their responsibility, them as the business, their responsibility to you and to the customer to make sure that they can continue to provide the service or product and continue to provide you the job.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there, there's a lot of facets to that. And, and people, uh, they could have two different looks at it, being appreciative that they even have a job or, or you know, seeing it in a way where, they want to do more and they just don't know how, uh, or where to go or where to start. So that, that's important to just have some good vision on what, what you see yourself doing that vision, right? Like you saw yourself, you know, doing what you're doing now and and you continue to see yourself doing more, I'm sure. And that's, that's important. I think because people often just slowly forget about it Mm -hmm. or, or just pretend that like this is okay. Then they get stuck in a job for decades or whatever, and they're miserable or they hate themselves or they hate their job or they just want to blame the corporation or business for not paying them enough than they're worth. But they get stuck in the fear and not, not taking that risk because for a lot of people it's a risk to leave. It's a risk to start their own business. It's a risk to chase what they see themselves at, at their highest potential. Like there's, there's sacrifice, there's a cost that's paid, you know, and that's uncomfortable 100%. And you know, what, what was like the biggest lesson for you when you were starting
0: your business out? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, thank you for bringing me back. I went off on this little tangent, which I think is a good one, right? That the people who are listening, you are worth what you're getting paid both in the job that you're in now and in other places for the market, you're worth that at least because you're, Your boss is paying you as little as possible, but we got to move on. (laughs) Um, The most important thing for me when I was leaving was the other side of that realization. As a boss, I was paying my people as little as possible, but that also means I was getting paid as little as possible. And that means I know that I'm worth at least what I'm getting paid by my corporate job, out there bringing my best potential to the world. I'm worth at least that much. So I had faith that I was worth $280,000 no matter what it is that I was doing, as long as I was passionately 100% behind it. And I didn't know how much more, maybe it could be 350, maybe it could be 500, who knows? There's no ceiling, there's no limit, there's no boss that's trying to pay me as little as possible. Now it's just me negotiating directly with the customer to make sure that we come to a win-win agreement, a win-win scenario that results in both of us being delighted.
1: Yeah. And that, you made a huge point there. Like there's no cap. There's no limit to your potential or how much you can possibly earn. If you are creating a business for yourself around yourself. And, you know, I wanted to ask you because you've successfully done it and what was the mindset shift or, or when did you realize like what you, th- this wasn't working out for me, this like wall street thing. Um, this is not my destiny. This is not where I'm going to end up. This is not where I'm just going to live for the next 15, 20 years. i when, when did you start to realize what you really wanted to offer the world?
0: Yeah. Um, 2013. Uh, so eight years ago, So clearly it took me a couple of years to to put the the pieces in place, but it was 2013. So uh, it's funny, I, I actually intended to work on Wall Street for a decade, exactly a decade. It was sort of my plan right from the beginning and then launched my consulting company after I'd been there for a decade. And I had this like great Rolodex of people that I could call as clients and like some really strong skills and the experience to back up the idea that me as a consultant is something that works and I got to a decade, I had completely forgotten that that was the plan, that was the dream, gone. Just exactly like you said, they pay you enough to forget your dreams and it had worked on me. Um, 2013, my wife and I were sitting down for our wedding anniversary in June and she took a picture of me and I still have it and I still reference this when I'm talking to people in this picture, she said, you look like death right then, right there at at dinner, at our anniversary dinner, um, you look like death. And she said it with all the love in her heart. She wasn't trying to insult me. We're still together. We still love each other. We still support each other. She wanted me to hear her, that my job was killing me. I was letting my job kill me. And it was killing me from the inside out and not from a a physical health perspective. I was eating, I was working out, I was sleeping, maybe not in the right quantities of each, but you know, you can maintain physical health with less than optimal numbers, right? It it was killing me because it had successfully helped me forget my dreams. And we're not really human if we don't have dreams. (laughs) We're not really human if we're not striving to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. Um, so 2013, I'm sitting there at my, at my anniversary dinner with my wife and she said, you look like death. And I said, thank you. Um, I guess it's time for us to bring up that old conversation that we haven't had in a while, isn't it? And we did. And it took me about two years to put the pieces in place. And probably some of that was fear. I imagine I probably could have done it sooner. We, we saved up some money, we paid off some debt, we, we, we took care of some health issues. We, you know, we maximized the use of, of my job and the money that I was making and the benefits. Um, we took a really nice, big, long vacation paid. Um, and then it was time. And I, I jumped off the cliff, you know, into cold water uh, and uh, launched my consulting company. And in 2016, I got my first client. Um, And and it was the result of that moment when my wife said, you know, you're you're killing yourself and it's time for you to stop because I love you too much to see you go through this. And so for me to to you and to your audience, I would say, make sure that you have people in your life that love you enough to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm.
1: That's a big one, man. Most people don't have like a, a lot of people who care enough to say the truth. Cause a lot of people would be like, dude, you're doing great. You're making a lot of money and right? I was <laughs> making more than like most people. So why would they tell you to, yeah, you should leave that. Or, you know, they don't, they might not see that shift in energy where you are dead in, in, in certain ways. Right. Even if you're functioning high functioning. And it's, it's great to hear that, man. I thank you for sharing that because so many people, live and don't even remember their dream. Mm. You know and that they're just no spark and it's just mundane. I talked to Tim Story about this in a, on one of my latest podcasts it was being in the mundane. And he said something great like if you don't master the mundane the mundane masters you. Huh. And it's just yeah. it's it's that it becomes monotonous it becomes mundane and you just there's no no living there that you're just getting by, you know, there's no thriving. And that's why I love the title of your, your book too, man. <laughs> Cause because it's about, it's about thriving, like what's possible. Right. And you know, that, that's just a big shift for people. Cause there's so much, there's so many excuses you could have made to not leave, you know?
0: Yep. It would have been easy.
1: Yeah. Like for, for most people, I, I, I imagine it would just, many things can come up right and then but you had a plan and your intention was clear and that's what i want people to know because it it is possible whether you're not even if you don't even have a successful job and you're just starting from scratch it's possible with that intention right and you know i wanted to ask you also because because you consult with big companies uh helping them grow and, and for just an entrepreneur or someone who's leading a big company what what has to shift on the big level for a company or entrepreneur organization to begin to elevate past their limitations?
0: Even at the corporate level, you have to believe, I mean, it's, it's weird to see it and and people talk about this and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever that manifesting crap. Like, and I was one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that, that, that manifesting crap. It's just crap. Um, Number one, Read your read your holy books. Manifesting is in every one of them, every single one of them. Um, it it's referred to in different ways, but when you pray to God and your prayers are clear and in alignment with your beliefs, you can manifest. So, um, even at the corporate level, this is true. They have to believe in their capacity as a company to be able to grow and achieve greatness, and they have to believe in that. More than they believe in the product itself. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, other things start to shift. And most of the people that I um, see in my industry, that, you know, strategists that are working at corporations, they're focused on those. When I said, once you believe, other things start to shift. The strategists I see, they're focused on those other things, the things that start to shift once you believe. But the key is actually the belief first. So if you get um, 100%, I mean 100% straight line alignment with the vision, a clear, concise vision, an understandable vision that motivates you from within as a corporation, as a person, if you get clear 100% alignment of that vision from the top to the bottom, where every single person is saying exactly the same thing about what we are going to do together, that's when the things start to shift, and I can tell you what those other things are. But they all just start to work when the vision is clear first. And if the vision's not clear, the other things actually take work to work.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like a that's like a big culture shift. Yeah, I feel. You know, and and, and the culture plays such a big role. I've seen culture uh, in my command and like the Navy, for example, just deteriorate, like the morale deteriorates and then the performance deteriorates with it. And, you know, there's not a lot of vision because most people don't even know why they have to do the work they have to do. (laughs) Like they, they don't know the why behind most of it, you know? And, And that's a huge piece too. It's like tied into the vision. Like, why are we doing this? Like, why is this important? You know, and I feel like if people on every level of an organization, leadership to the the ground floor, if they don't know why something's important, they're not going to do it. <laughs> that just, I, I learned that from my experience.
0: What about you? Or worse, they will do it and they'll do it poorly, mm-hmm. which which I'd say is worse than not doing it at all. At least if you don't do it, we know that it wasn't done. But if you do it and do it poorly, now we think it's done, but it turns out maybe it's worse than done yeah.
1: yeah that that's a that's a compound effect too it just gets continues to get worse and worse and and people don't notice too man when big organizations start to fail it's i think it's tied into that we see large companies you know going bankrupt and failing and it could be as simple not easy as having the vision and resetting the vision for everyone, clarifying the intention of where they're going.
0: Yep, 100%. Now, I mean, sometimes things have outlived their purpose, like my time on Wall Street. It had outlived its purpose. It was time for me to move on. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay if a, a large corporation that's been wired for 70 years is is done people are trying to keep it alive and they're working hard to, to build a new vision and and reinvigorate the culture. And I love seeing that happen. And sometimes that works and that's cool when it does, but, but it's okay when it doesn't.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the times change, man. Everything is changing at such a high speed that I I feel like it's necessary for companies and just on an individual level for individual entrepreneur, You have to be, was it, permeable. You have to shift. You have to adapt because things are shifting, right? And like, like for example, you, how you create a course around working from home and mastering that kind of lifestyle, Mm -hmm. which is huge, right? And, you know, when did that idea come to you? Was it during the pandemic?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was right at the beginning. I, uh, um, the Pokemon company is one of my clients and... So the pandemic hit and the HR department at the Pokemon company called me up and they were like, hey, listen, um, we have to send out something to tell people what to do about working from home. Can you help us put it together? We know you've been doing this for a while. We know you talk about it some of the time on your podcasts and stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. You listen to my podcast. <laughs> but also, yes, let's do it. And so I, I sat down myself over a weekend and I, I put together a you know, a, a newsletter that they could send out and they did. And it, and it was a hit. And then they called me up and they said, Hey, you know what? The newsletter was awesome. Let's do a webinar. All right, let's do it. Like I was already speaking. I was talking to, you know, different companies. I was, I was helping out with accelerators and, and VCs. Yeah. Let's, let's do a webinar. Now I hadn't done one on working from home yet. I, I put together this newsletter that they were using and it, and it went well, but I hadn't done a, a webinar on, I'm working from home. I was like, all right, let's do it. And, and they're like, um, can you do it in two days? <laughs> um, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it in two days. So we we put together a webinar and we launched it and it, it was gangbusters and went really well. And uh, they invited some of their corporate partners. So people that were not inside the company to, to attend and some of those people called me up and said hey you know what um i was on and i loved it can you do it for my company too so i spent about a month just doing work from home webinars like every day um and at the end of that month i was like this has been great a lot of fun i've refined my message a a ton massive amount and um i i think there's something here I i think we've i think we've got something we can play with I haven't done a course before. Like that was my first course ever. Um, But let me give that a go. So uh, end of April, I started to record my webinars. Um, Before that, I hadn't been recording. People were taking notes. I was sending out worksheets. Like, you know, it was a a good webinar, but I wasn't recording. I didn't intend to have that be, um, you know, an evergreen product, as they say, in the coaching world. Like that wasn't the plan. I'm going to start recording it and start watching myself in the recording and see what things that I do. And the cool thing about zoom and everybody pay attention. This is really neat. Cool thing about zoom is that when you say something that's impactful, you think it's impactful and you're like, yeah, I said that thing and it was impactful. Well, when you're on a zoom recording, you can actually see everybody else's faces and pause be like, was it impactful to them too? And you look at their faces and you're like, huh, those two people, yeah, but I had 100 people on here, and only two of them seem to be getting it. Maybe it's not as impactful as I thought. And then you press the play button, and like 30 seconds later, you say something else that you thought was completely mundane. (laughs) And that's when every single face on the screen lights up, and they're like, oh, that. You're like, wait, what? Pause, rewind, listen again. Pause, rewind, listen again. Mm -hmm. Why was that the thing that that, that lit them up, that got them all going. So I did that for two months from April until June. I was still doing the webinars. I was still paying attention. I was still like accepting people's requests but I was learning what it was that I was saying that the audiences were reacting to. And once I had that, that's when I had the titles, the things that were important to the audience, not to me because I'd been doing this for a decade. like. What I thought was important after a decade is totally different message from what these people who have never worked from home before, or maybe they work from home like the day after coming back from a, uh, you know, a, a business trip. And it's working from home, right, where you you take a few calls and you send a few emails, but really you're on the couch recovering from flying. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not saying it like that's a bad thing. That's exactly what you should do. Um, but also that's not really working from home. That's recovering and getting paid full time to do it. Appropriate, but not the same thing. Um, So then I I had titles from the things that people were actually reacting to. And once I had titles, then I started paying attention to the message that came after. First, I had to understand what people were reacting to. And then I could start paying attention again. Thank you, Zoom, for giving me the capacity to do this. I could start paying attention to when people were still engaged in that message and when they would disengage so you got 15 20 seconds of attention when you catch people's attention and after those 20 seconds if you have gotten off topic from what you brought them in on they'll tell you by not paying attention anymore you know they'll go to their cell phone or they'll take a drink of their water or whatever like they're disengaged but if you're still in the topic that, that their brain wants to be hearing right this instant, then it lasts and it keeps going. Maybe you get 60 seconds. Maybe you get 90 seconds. Maybe you get two minutes. And so I paid attention to that. First, it was what lights them up. But second was how long until they disengage and what did I talk about during that two-minute period while they were still engaged? And those were the things that I drilled down on. And I just put together a video training, about an hour long, on each of those things. And again, I, there was some surprises there. Like I didn't expect people to be um, attentive to some of the things that I talked about, which is cool. I love surprises. Um, but it was a, it was an amazing and exciting process, and also really quite challenging for me because, you know, I, I had to watch myself speak a lot. <laughs>
1: Just a, it's a great example of what adapting looks like, <laughs> right. And, and shifting real time, right. Cause first you adapt it to even create a course, right. Which a couple of years ago probably wouldn't have ne- been needed as much. Yep. Right. And then people realize like, it's also not that easy working from home. <laughs> it's just so, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just that shift that need, that market request was there right? You created a product for that. And then you continue to refine by watching body language cues, which is huge for anyone who's in any type of business that talks to people, like understanding body language, which I'm always learning about now. And I still fig- try and figure things out when it comes to how people are receiving certain information. So that is just a great example for people who are listening that you need to shift as an entrepreneur. Cause what you're, what was working last year might not be what's what people need or want right now. Yeah. Right. And now that course can be, help people, you know, shift men. We, ha- we saw a huge shift in the way people work in the past year where it's, it's more normal to work from home. And some people don't know how to do it because they always had a boss or a manager or someone tell them what to do and and now they have to keep themselves accountable you know for the most part so awesome stuff man awesome course I'll have that information linked for people who want to check it out who are struggling working from home because I know I was last year it was definitely challenging I was not as productive as I thought it was gonna be <laughs> so that was that was a huge thing for me and You know, I just want to, I want to ask you this question, which could, could be throw off question. There's no right answer, but it's just from, from you. It's more of a deeper question, but what does it mean to be a conqueror for you?
0: Mm. For me, um, it's a couple of things. First, it's about conquering the things that are holding me back, um, it's a, you know, I, I was being held back by really good money on Wall Street and, and a consistent and, um, you know, safe career. Safe in the sense that I knew that what I, what, you know, what I was doing tomorrow was going to be something that I could do because it was the same as what I did yesterday, right? That makes it safe. But um, I needed to conquer that. I needed to conquer the thing that was holding me there and, and allowing me to kill myself. Um, and I didn't die. Right. So we don't really know if it would have killed me, but probably like how many people die at 55. I don't want to be that guy. I want to, I want to live a great life. And when I die, I want to be like, yep, I lived. Um, And that's number two. I want to conquer the notion that, um, that I was mastered by the mundane. That's so well put. I want to conquer the notion that that I didn't leave it all on the table, that I didn't play full out, that I didn't go, you know, pardon the language, balls to the walls and like really just absolutely everything I can do to live the best life I can live and, and be the best version of me that I can be, whatever that looks like. I don't have to be the champion of anything except my capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I got to show up and play full out and just leave it all on the field because that's what I got to do. And that's that's the number two piece is is conquer what's holding me back, and then conquer um, anything that gets in the way of me moving forward.
1: I love it, man. I love it. You said something that I I just want to touch up on again because you you mentioned you don't want to live a life where you missed out or you regret. I think that was the big thing like you don't want to live full of regrets and you could have had a very successful career end up 65 and retired and traveling doing whatever but would you have regretted not starting your business and consulting you know what regrets would it be there you know one of my favorite quotes by les brown is if you die today what dreams would die with you Mm -hmm. and it just just reminded me of that because it's so common most people, you know, there's crazy statistics, but most people aren't enjoying their life and they're just going to get to the end of life, realizing they didn't really live their life, you know? So thank you, man. Thank you for that. That's just a beautiful definition. I appreciate your time. Please tell us where everyone else can reach you or continue this conversation or reach out if they want some coaching or consulting from you.
0: Yeah, I would love that. Um, And thank you. Uh, My website, lucasroot.com, you can find me there. It's really easy. Um, That has my course, that has a contact me. And then if you want to catch me where I'm really active, uh, drop by my Instagram profile at Luke Root, L-U-C-R-O-O-T. I'm very active there. If you're dropping me some DMs, you're probably going to hear back from me in, in a couple of hours.
1: Awesome. I have that information linked in the details in the show notes. Thank you, Lucas. Your greatest gift you can give is your most authentic self and your time. And you're doing that and you left Wall Street to continue to do that. And I'm proud of you. And I appreciate you for coming to my show and doing that too. Likewise. Thank you so much, Musa. That is all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you found any value in this episode, someone you know will also. Please share, subscribe, leave a rating and review so we can reach more people, have a farther ripple and a larger impact. Stay grateful. I appreciate you. And remember, you are a conqueror.